0: Your Bible too fresh, New bird West End It's Bible too fresh. Bible too fresh, your Bible too fresh. Bible too fresh, your Bible too fresh. No damn animation. It's Bible too fresh. Bible too fresh. You want Bible too fresh, bird creek air report. Hey, it's the fresh podcast. I'm your host, Mr. GQ back again to hit y'all with some of this freshness i got a special guest for y'all he's an actor comedian correspondent on the daily show with trevor noah we got roy wood jr what's up cuz
1: what's going on with your pepper
0: uh nothing much man just chilling uh i'm back here in my hometown in uh kentucky just chilling for a couple of days before i go to dominican republic so i've been i live in la so man just getting used Let's to this. Be Thank you, man. You I need, need the vacation. Yes. Yeah, so it's it's cold and like kinda of snowy out here, so I'm just chilling right now and I'm gonna link up with my folks in a little bit. How about you?
1: Uh, we're in we New York posted, man. So, you know, we left the crib um over the summer. We did two months down and out in Alabama so little man could get some FaceTime with his granny. But, you know, other than that, man, it's been slow motion, man. I've been trying my best to stay put. Um you know, just do a little bit of work here. Um, I ain't been getting on stage for real, doing comedy, and you know, in New York, they got the rooftop shows, but I ain't fucking with no roof. It's eighteen degrees
0: today. I feel that. I wouldn't I'm do not, that either.
1: Kiss <laughs> my ass, bro. Like there ain't, there ain't no joke.
0: Hell yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, all right. So, you talked about the comedy. How did you get into stand up?
1: I got in back when I was nineteen, and that was, that was 1998, 98, 99. And so, you know, I was still in school, kind of saying you, man. So, you know, we started ripping and running, doing open mics here and there around the city. And then the goal every month was to perform in a new city. Because, like, down south, it's different from, you know, you know for the people listening in bigger cities. Like, we ain't got open mic every week down south. Like, not in Tallahassee. Like open mic is once a month. Matter of fact, in in those days, in the entire Southeast, I'm talking New Orleans, New Orleans on over to Miami up to the A, Atlanta, and Tampa were the only two cities with open mic every week in 1998. Damn. So if you wanted to get on stage every week, nigga, you gotta fucking you gotta get on this greyhound. And so that's what I did. That's what's up. You know, and that was, you know, it was a grind, but, it, you know, it didn't feel like it at the time. I just felt alive, man. I was young. and had something I enjoyed doing, and I liked doing it, so I just lived with that shit, you know? Like, that was, shit, it, it definitely, the sure wasn't a look back then. Yeah, yeah. You come back in the hole some weekends, but it was still, you know, it was worth it, man. It was just, it was growth and development, and that's just what I enjoyed doing.
0: Was there, like, did you want to, Did you have, like, dreams that aspired to be a comedian, or was it like your friends was like, yo, Roy, you funny, why don't you get on stage?
1: It was... It was more of a... I always had the itch, right? I always had the itch to get into it. And then the push, because, you know, you either got to push yourself or something has to push you. And for me, the push was, um, it was, it was basically, so when I was 19, I got arrested for stealing some jeans from Dillard's. And so it was oh, the, the thought, it was the thought that, ah, oh, shit, I'm about to fucking date these white folks would to lock my ass up. I ain't going to do shit up. All right, fucking let me go and do everything I wanted to do right quick before I go to jail. And then I got probation. And then I just kept doing comedy. So, you know, that was the push, but you know i always felt funny you know i always knew that like that part of it you know so it was about picking that and acting on it you know
0: what i'm saying that's what's up yeah, yeah, yeah. that was that
1: was that was that was kind of the move you know
0: yeah how i found out about you was through pandora because uh, a couple of years ago i was like heavy listening to stand-up comedy and then I heard you in the first uh, the set that I heard was when you talk about when you got kicked out of the career day. And I was like, oh, he's funny. And when I first heard it, I, I thought you was a white dude at first. And then... and then, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and then radio
1: voice. Yeah. yeah.
0: And then other uh, routines that you came up. And then I seen your face. And I was like, oh, shit. And I started listening to more. And I don't know if you remember how we met, but this was probably about 2015 In LA, we was on the same flight, and I was I was waiting aboard and they they had said your name. They called you to come up to the podium, and I was like, "That's a a odd name." I listened to a dude, and then I seen you walking, and I'm like, "Oh shit, that's him!" And I approached you. (laughs) Yeah, I approached you, and we started talking, and then you know, I'm saying that's how we met, and you know, uh, you was like, "Add me on Facebook, take my number down." I was like, "Yeah, cool."
1: Yeah, I mean, anybody that's that's motivated and gives a fuck about the craft. You know, I'll chop it up with them folks in a heartbeat, man. Right. But yeah, it's it's been damn like a day joke. That's that's been a minute, man. Yeah. That was, that, that happened for real too. That was that was a true story. <laughs> I Got into it with the teacher and she wasn't feeling me. But that was and real so, shit
0: though, man. Like you said, real shit. You know what I'm saying? Somebody got to strip and somebody got to make the chicken nuggets.
1: Yeah. The, the the joke was basically everybody ain't gonna make it. And, and in hindsight, there was probably a better way to say that to a group of first graders. But what I was trying to say was, push yourself so that you're not in a place that you don't want to be later in life. i low-key, though. Like, on the real, i low-key feel like, first grade, there shouldn't even be a career day. I mean, you just learn how to count and read. I didn't yeah, know they was know. first
0: graders. I thought they was like middle, high school you was talking to.
1: No, no. This is elementary school. That's why they couldn't hear me saying that wild shit. Kids <laughs> don't understand my So they ran me up out there at school. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> we think it'd be best if you didn't speak in the next room. We're running short on time. Man. I'm like, I could just leave. That probably would also be bad.
0: Damn, Roy, it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, so, you know, it's all in the game, man. But, no, it's, I've I've always enjoyed trying to, you know, talk to young people here and there. You know, I don't always have, how can I put it, I don't always have the time, Uh but I at least try to be accessible when I
0: am around, you know. Yeah. Speaking that you said that, man, I want to thank you for doing this. You know, like, I talked about it on here about a few months ago. I was like, I was like frustrated like I was trying to book more mainstream guests you know I got a nice underground following I have like underground artists and stuff on here but I'm like you know I want to break out you know and get bigger I want to get more mainstream guests so I started reaching out to people and they was hitting me back saying like yeah I'll do it and like you was one of them so I'm waiting you know about a week and a half you know to to hit them back because I know everybody has stuff going on and they busy and they're working and I was like on the hot street because I had like you and like two other guys. I was like, yeah, I'll do it. And then when I reached back out, I didn't hear nothing. And then I was like, damn, I'm not hearing nothing. And I was just like fed up. You know what I'm saying? And like I told myself I was going to have the the DJ Khaled approach. Like I don't know if you heard like artists say like if DJ Khaled wants you on a record, he's going to call you every day, constantly like hit you up like, yo, what's going on? And I'm like, I need to have that drive. But I'm like, I don't want to be too pushy. And I know people are are busy and stuff like that. And then it kind of just, like, got me down. I'm like, man, like, we were supposed to do this a couple times, and we had to, like, reschedule. And then the other cats who said they was going to do it, when I reached back out, they never hit me back, and I was just, like, distraught. And I'm like, should I keep Going and try to get mainstream guests or stay where I'm at, you know? But thank you so much for, like, doing this because I was just, like, frustrated. And, like, I said one of my goals for 2021 was to try to get an agent or a manager to somebody who can, like, do the booking and who has, like, more connections than me because, it, it, like, it, man, it was a struggle, bro. Like, I just... Been- yeah, it, it takes
1: time. I, I'll say this to that, though. And this ain't in defense of anybody. But... Just make sure that you don't, you know, whatever you feel, don't carry it for too long because that shit will stay with you and then it piles on and then you would be running the game. niggas in the game. Yeah. It's all in the game. You know, some folks is busy. Some folks, you know, they can't do it. And then also, you know, a lot of us, you know, I can't speak for the next man, but you get a lot more podcast requests because there's a lot more people doing podcasts now and it's a lot more people at home. Um, so, you know, there's, there's a balance that some folks try to maintain. I still believe you can't do it just straight up say no or let niggas know when the window is that you can, you know, which is what I've, which is why, what I've always tried to be upfront about, you know, I'm trying to balance work and life. I open this door right now. My four-year-old will run in here and fuck up this whole (laughs) energy. So, you know, you, you be trying to, you know, burn the candle at both ends, but just, just make make 'cause because the only reason I'm telling you that, man, is because that shit ain't going to stop. Right. It's it's trying to book podcast guests now. The next thing is going to be trying to book people on your TV show or collab with somebody on something. They're going to say yeah, and then you're going to get down to the email, and they're going to say nah. Then it graduates to trying to get somebody to work with you or trying to get somebody to read your script. One day you're going to write a script, and you're going to send it to somebody because you want notes and you want feedback, and the motherfucker ain't going to read it. Right, and it's gonna feel the same way this shit feel, and if you ain't careful, you will fuck around, just be running around here, just mad at the whole industry instead of just accepting the fact that there's a lot of snakes, there's a lot of fuck boys. It just is what it is. You just gotta step around them. Yeah,
0: yeah. I like I knew how what like we the business was, and I was like. I never had no malice or no, like, anger. I was just like, all right, cool, you know what I'm saying? And I just use that as motivation to, like, to keep grinding, you know? But I know how it is in the industry. Some folks be like, yeah, I'm going to do it, and then you never hear nothing back from them. And then I know, like, you got work and, and, and the life going on. So I'm just glad we was able to to get this going on. No, yeah, yeah, all good. It's all good, man. Yeah something that I heard When I was listening to a podcast A couple months ago uh, A beef that you had And like it threw me for a loop I was listening to Nori's podcast And they had Jay Prince on there And they (laughs) they mentioned you Yeah and like my ears went up I was like what the fuck Jay Prince and Roy Wood Jr. and shit And like I haven't heard Specific stories about Jay Prince But I heard that he was one Not to be fucked with And then I went back To try to read up about it And and I fucked with him (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and I seen I seen the story, and then I I seen the video where he was with Sway, and then you called in, you know, and y'all hashed it out, man. I was just like, damn, that's crazy. How, how yeah,
1: did, that was.
0: How did that feel?
1: That was fucking insane. That was. I got to shout out Sway. Sway the one who called me to go. Hey, we're gonna have Jay Prince on the show. You want to call in? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Look it. Why not? I'll fucking say what's up, to Jay. Um, nah that was that was me being young and wild. The people who don't know the story, I was in Houston, um, I was at a um I was at a record studio in Houston, a record studio, and we were doing we were working on my new prank call album. I was doing an um a prank call album where I was gonna um where I was gonna um prank call celebrities. Jay Prince was one of the people I was gonna prank call. Man, we called this nigga, man, and he wasn't with the shits at all. And then <laughs> at the end of it, we told him, hey, it's a prank. We over here at such and such studios. We was just fucking around. And Jay goes, oh, I know exactly where y'all at. Click. And I was like, oh, like when a nigga end the conversation by going, I know where you at. That means gonna come try to touch you. Yeah. And I left that studio so fast and went to the airport. <laughs> I went home, bro. I went home. I went home back to my mama's house and set <laughs> like at least, at least if Jay Prince don't touch me, you gonna have to do it in my city. Yeah, you gonna have to find me. I I got some cuts so I can hide off in in Birmingham, but Houston. I ain't got no friends in Houston at the time. I ain't know nobody in Houston. Right. I knew a Houston niggas, but I ain't know nobody in Houston.
0: Did you ever finish the album?
1: Hell no! I was done. <laughs> at that. I, celebrities take themselves too seriously, bro. Yeah, and that's why I still back and watch episodes of Punk on MTV and A lot of black folks get punk. It's a few, but most of the black people they tried was already kind of in the spectrum of they could get a joke. All right, you got Tracy Morgan. Okay, Tracy Morgan can take a joke. He's a comedian, right? I'm, Jay Prince is a straight up dude that he lives and abides by the code of the streets. Hank right. calls ain't part of the street code. He's a businessman, but he but his business is structured around honor and code and within that ain't no room for no fucker. is fuckery. Right. <laughs> so you interrupted my day with this fuckery, I gotta come touch you. I feel that. I, I mean, shit. You touch me, nigga. You gonna have to get through airport security.
0: <laughs> I'm gone. Have you had, like, any people that you, like, pranked, like, come up to you on the street was like, yo, that was me or, or had, like, any issue? Like, yo, that was fucked up what you did to me.
1: Cleveland. Um, it's only happened once, which is kind of an amazing thing considering how many people I prank called in the course of my career. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I prank called this dude in Cleveland. And I told him, like, his son, his son had gotten in trouble. His son had gotten in the, the base of Because a lot of these prank calls, their family sets them up. I'm not just calling people at random. There's somebody in your, in your circle that told me something about you, and then I call you and I use that against you to get you pissed. So that's generally the game, right? Right. So I called this dude. And so what had happened for real, his son, who was like a third or fourth grader, he got into a fight with a girl. And somewhere in the middle of the fight, he slapped the girl on the on the behind. Mm. And so we got so we got suspended, whatever, whatever. So then I called him and I go, Yeah, man. And the parent of the girl. So we got a fight. He go, What? My boy apologized. Ba-da-ba-ba. I said, I don't give fuck by none of that, man. He slapped my little girl on the ass. So I got to come fight you. Or you got to let me slap you on the ass. <laughs> <laughs> he said, he said well, where you at then? Where you at then, nigga? Come on, slap me then, nigga, if you want to slap He started screaming and yelling into the phone. He hang up in my face, right? We try to call the dude back like 15 minutes he ain't answering the phone we finally I called his wife and his wife get him on the phone and we let him know it's a prank and it's all love and this nigga was at the school waiting for me damn he had hung up in my face got in his car and drove to the school and was sitting out front by the buses waiting to see me walk in with my daughter That's how mad he was. So three months later, and it was, it seemed, we told him it was a prank. It was all love, whatever. Three months later, I'm performing in Cleveland. I'm not even thinking about this dude no more. And I'm at the, you know, I'm taking pictures after the show. And this dude came up to me. You know, shook my hand. It started out like a handshake, but then he gave me a tight grip. And then he pulled me in, and he go, "Don't you ever call my house again with no fuck shit like that. I'll beat your monkey ass. Do you understand, nigga? Oh damn! If I wanted, if I wanted to touch you, I could touch you, nigga. Anybody can be touched. And he pushed me away.
0: That's crazy.
1: And that was like he had been sitting on that for three months, bro, waiting. He saw me coming to the club, he bought a ticket. I was gonna say he bought a ticket to do that. He stepped to a ninety minute comedy show, MC, middle act, headline just for that moment. Damn. It's people crazy I can That's why now, man, you know, to be asking me, you wanna do another prank call C D never. I'm retired. (laughs) It's a young man's game and to to do that properly, you just gotta have a recklessness that I lost when I had a kid. Right. I'm trying to live and I'm trying to put food on the table. So and also, you know, people ain't playing them games like that no more, man. People's out here hurting. So you can't be messing with folks' emotions. People on edge just in general. Right. Just in general, just life shit. When you calling me with this, I don't need no pretend stress. This ain't funny. That was cute in 04 when I had the right, mean, I had a good run from like oh three to oh seven, killing the game. But yeah, I couldn't I couldn't do that no more, man. I, I am one hundred percent with that. Any prank call you hear of mine, I guarantee you that bitch at least thirteen years old.
0: <laughs> well, I just recently found out the prank calls is coming back. Are you on Clubhouse?
1: Oh yeah, I've seen the prank call room. Me and they're just calling people at random. Yeah. it's a good it's a good idea. The issue though is that it lacks editing. If I'm just going to be honest, right? Like, I think it's funny, but a good prank call, like a raw prank call, my shit was like eight nine minutes. I mean, you chop it down to three thirty, you know, maybe two forty five. To just get to the essence of it, because people just want to laugh and keep it moving. But yeah, you're right. It's it's coming back. There's definitely going to be evolution. Some point, they got to do video pranks or something,
0: right? Yeah, because the room that I was in, they was calling like celebrities, and they was calling like regular people. But like people in there was like, yeah, they're giving out different like rappers and shit number, and they calling pretending to be like Takashi Six Nines manager and all type of shit. Crazy, yeah, man. And I was listening to the Breakfast Club the other day. And uh, DJ Envy was talking about it, and he was telling me the scenario and the names. I'm like, I know exactly who that was. So they just got uh, Envy the other day. <laughs> Damn. So they're <laughs> real pranking people. But then it's not recorded.
1: Right. It's just, for the, it's just for the street. So how are you monetizing? How are you growing this? What, what do you do next with it? Like, it's something fun, but it's not. I hate to sound all like Silicon Valley. It's not scalable. How do you grow this idea into something profitable? Y'all niggas on clubhouse fucking off calling Randall's and you know how many more people would want to fucking hear that call? Right. But yeah. you know, then you're getting into recording laws and one party and two party notifications and all of that stuff, then you got some legal shit on you. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you got some legal shit.
0: Crazy shit. So man, tell us how was it on the daily show? How did you get that gig?
1: So that was 2015? Yeah, 2015. It was 24 when John Stewart announced he was stepping down. This was going to be his last year. Um, and then Trevor Noah took over. And so in 2015, you know, I guess he started asking around a little bit about, you know, who's making noise, you know, with comedy and a little bit of politics mixed into that shit. And you know my name came up. You know the homie Neil Brennan uh, threw through, through my name, and that was enough to get the audition. And you know from that, that was essentially you know how I, how I got on the show. You know Trevor was still, you know and to this day still a man of his word. I'm not here to change what you do. I just want you to do it over here.
0: That's what's up.
1: And so you know it was, it was that simple, and it's it's been pretty much that eating potatoes, you know, where it's just look, I want you to be able to to be funny, but also have opinions and be able to say stuff in your in your content. Yeah, and you know, to his credit, you know, he's you know, I've been able to do just exactly that, exactly that.
0: I remember when I first seen your owner, I was like, oh, shit, I know him. I was like, that's what's up.
1: Yeah, it was like, that was like straight insane, man. Like, you grew up watching this show and I'd already auditioned the Bailey show back in 07 and shit to bed. They get it. So the fact that I even had a second audition, like, I don't know, man. Like, it was one of, okay, now I know what to do with it. Because the other thing that helped me career-wise, I was kind of down bad 2014, so you know, the only thing I was really getting trouble like Conan, Conan O'Brien would put me on and ESPN would put me on. Those were pretty much my two regular TV gigs. Um, but that time on ESPN, because ESPN, from a from a structural standpoint, most of ESPN's programming is argumentative there's news but most of their unscripted shows it's people arguing different viewpoints about a particular topic you know even when they do roundtable like when they do nba game time or you know they talk in hoops or whatever it's still i think he's a good player i think he's regressing i think he should be treated well that's politics politics is no different it's have a strong opinion about something and defend it. And as a comedian, I get to use humor as well. You know, they're analysts at ESPN. So, you know, they're using stats and numbers. A comedian, i trying to defend this point. You use some stats and then you can sneak in jokes. So the muscle was trained, you know, that entire time. So that when the opportunity did come, I knew exactly how to play it and, you know, performatively speaking.
0: Right. Hell uh, yeah! How crazy was it, like working there, doing like election time, like just recently, and then with all the shit that happened when they stormed the White House—I mean, stormed the Capitol.
1: That—that that was a hundred percent insanity. I mean, even even looking at even looking at you know the first election election night. 2016, where you know it was, you know, that was a tough night in the building. Right. You know, both of was like, Oh my god, Hillary lost, We literally lost Donald Trump as the president. What the oh shit, it's, it's crazy! And so, you know, the the hardest thing to do is to find a story that you can stick to because you know, Trump administration, you know, that was like herding cats, you know, they are all over the place. And it's hard to figure out which story to stick to, because the thing that's hardest, you know, especially during election time is you see something happen at nine in the morning, but at 4 PM, there's a totally different story that makes you forget about the 9 AM and the 9 AM was just as important. So, you know, the constant debate is the constant flow at the daily show is, what you stories about stories that are consistent that stories that are built on what you need to know versus stories that are built on what everybody's talking about, because what everybody's talking about might not be what you need to know, yeah, you know because some you know a lot of this stuff is smoke screen a lot of these stories can be smoke screen for something else that's going on in the world, and so that's kind of where you know I feel like where I feel like the show really does well. The dopest thing that happened during the pandemic is that we went from 30 minutes to 45. So now we're 45 minutes. So now we get a little bit more leeway to kind of do both or throw in a second guess.
0: Okay. Hell yeah. And Did you ever catch like any flack from people when you was black Trump?
1: No, not at the time because that was more crazy time. And also... When we did Black Trump, for the people who don't know, we did a, we did a rap video back during the, during the shit, it was still in the primaries. Trump wasn't even, he hadn't even won a Republican nomination yet. We did a rap video where I took all of Donald Trump's tweets, anything Donald Trump said publicly. We took every tweet, every quote from a newspaper, anything he said in a book, and we put it at bars. We built bars and built a whole ass rap song. Just on Donald Trump, consistent solely of Donald Trump tweets and newspaper quotes. So, you know, put on the Trump wig and rap this Trump and, you know, and that was funny. And it it did numbers at the time, like it was the shit at the time. But that's a perfect example of how the tide changes. That's not a joke we would have made a year later. Right, because shit wasn't funny it wasn't silly no more it shit, was, shit was cute when we did Black Trump because you still thought Hillary was going to win so you, can, you know you can flirt with the devil a little bit because you don't think it's going to really happen but when it actually happened it's like okay tonally jokes have to start changing
0: you know yeah Hell yeah, that's crazy. Something I miss, man, of yours is the periscopes you used to do in your in your uncle, man. He was hilarious.
1: Ah, yeah, I had to cut them shits out after I got hired at the Daily Show. My uncle was talking
0: crazy. <laughs> I, you can't miss the money, right. man. I feel you. <laughs> right, As
1: soon as I had the Daily Show I told my uncle, I was like, yeah,
0: we're going to have to retool this show. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, get your shit together.
0: How's he, <laughs> how's he doing?
1: Life advice with Uncle there. You know, I need to get him on video chat. He probably would like to do some shit like that on a video chat. Uh the man aunt's oh, good man. He down there in Memphis. Um he lost his sister, my aunt, um, you know, shit on Rose passed back in April. almost been a year. So, you know, because we couldn't travel for the funeral because of COVID, you know, and my aunt lives in, you know, Mississippi Delta down in Clarksdale. And, you know, Mississippi was loose with it till about October. Okay. So, you know, we couldn't have a funeral. And so we had to have, a, um, we had to have, um, this really is funny, this is classic Uncle Derek, too. <laughs> um, we had to have, you know, a little graveside memorial for my aunt, but nobody in the family could travel. So my uncle was kind of in charge of just making sure that shit ran smooth. And so, <laughs> <laughs> so we, we 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 gave my uncle the responsibility to go, hey, man, look, we need you to record the funeral, record the, the, the grave, the memorial, so everybody who can't be there can see Aunt Rose get laid to rest. Can you do it? Ain't no thing. Ain't no thing. Knock it right out. I got you. do I bet. This motherfucker recorded the funeral vertically. You can't even see the casket. I'm like, right there. <laughs> And I like what he was looking at and the way the camera was pointing. I'm like, you couldn't have been looking at the same thing. <laughs> like, did you not check the frame? Uh, it, it, it's bad enough. He got like an iPhone 4, so the video is already, you know, a little shaky, a little crackly.
0: Uh-huh.
1: But then, on top of that, you ain't even pointing the camera the right way. You ain't holding the camera the right direction. Then he's talking all over the video to other motherfuckers around. I can't even hear the word. It's the first time I ever watched a funeral on tape. It was like, I can't hear the words. <laughs> Turn the captions on.
0: Damn, Uncle Derek, man.
1: It's yeah. Like he tried. So, you know, he stayed fucking up.
0: <laughs> can't get right, man. Yeah, well, let him know, man. Right. I asked about him, man. He was hilarious. Yeah. Yeah,
1: man. Uncle Derek. As soon as I get down with the Daily Show, we'll circle back to Uncle Derek because you know, that gentleman is um, he doesn't have a filter.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, don't filter in the least.
0: Yeah. You've been in the game for a little bit. Who was a celebrity that you seen and they knew who you was and you was like, Oh shit, so and so knows knows who I am?
1: Uh, Cedric the Entertainer and Ice Cube.
0: That's what's up. Hell yeah.
1: Those two, those two, kind of proven off. Like, Sid saw me backstage at some event, and um, he saw me backstage at some event, and he just "Oh, what's up, Roy?" Like, just casual. Like, and we've never worked together. That's the other wild thing. I've never worked with Seth, the entertainment. Okay, but the fact that you knew who I am, I'm like, okay, this man is at least watching game tape on people and staying in the know um, you know who's young and who's doing what. Well. So you know, I respect that. So you know, that part of it was, you know, was you know fucking wild,
0: you know. Oh uh, yeah, I mean, I see you out there Um, you work and I see you, your commercials all the time on like Comedy Central because I'm always watching South Park and shit. And, like, all the time I said, Damn, man, Roy's out here getting it done.
1: <laughs> man, I'm just trying to grow. Look, progress is process.
0: I know, man, I There's, know. At
1: no point will I ever feel like I made it until I have a house with a pool. That's all I want. Okay? That's what's up. That's, that's so stupid. I want a pool and a batting cage and a tornado shelter.
0: You, so, said, <laughs> you said a pool, a batting cage, and what else? A tornado shelter. Okay. That's all I, was. <laughs> I just want somewhere down below the, I just want some shit below the
1: basement that I can dip off into when that storm coming. You know how it is, man. Yeah, I know. Over
0: that Midwestern. So <laughs> you already know. I got a question because you mentioned baseball. you from Alabama. How is it that you are a diehard Cubs fan?
1: Because That's what came on TV.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Like, for, for, like that's what it boiled down to. Like, when we live in a city... When you live in a city that has no sports teams, you essentially are at the mercy of TV coverage. Or you just like whatever's regional. Like, everybody in Birmingham, I still don't not it. everybody in Birmingham like the Falcons and the Tennessee Titans. And I mean, what the fuck for? Because they close? You still don't live there, nigga. Like, why is that your team? Like, that's not... So, you know, I ended up liking the Dolphins because they came on TV. Cubs came to come on TV every day. The Cubs game came on TV every day the whole season on WGN, like especially their home games. So that became like the thing that I did every afternoon when I got home. school. I would watch the Cubs, wait till about 4 or 5 o'clock when it's cooler outside, and they go outside and play. So, you know, there's, that, that's pretty much what it boiled down to. I like the Charlotte Hornets for, against similar reasons
0: that was my squad when i was a kid man i love larry johnson and i remember like my eighth birthday i got a fucking starter jacket charlotte hornets you couldn't tell me shit yep (laughs) yeah so yeah what do you got upcoming i seen you was working on something jefferson county probation
1: yeah we still cooking that for comedy central and trying to make that happen um and then also, I got a podcast on damn stuff. dropping in March called Jobs. The Jobs there. Job we'll be basically talking a little bit about, you know, just employment. You know, people telling crazy stories. You know, jobs are like relationships. Everybody got a crazy one. And everyone, we all got one we'll never forget.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've talked about many jobs on here and the crazy experiences that I went through. You got a
1: first. You got a worse. You got one that was unforgettable. You got one that you wish you could have back. So you know, it's just the world with the employment, our relationships with the people that help us make money.
0: That's what's up. So, wow.
1: that's, that's all we're trying to do, man. Uh, we're doing that, and you know, the Daily Show still cooking at eleven o'clock on Comedy Central.
0: Hell yeah! So, do y'all record that every day?
1: Yeah, we're Monday Thursday, Friday. They usually do a best time Sometimes Comedy Central pivot, show some stand up.
0: Okay, can you give us like yeah. a, a rundown on like what it's like to work on like a major network? Like, what's the day like shooting?
1: Well, it's a little, it's a little different now. Um, it's a little different now because, because, uh, cause COVID, we're all remote. But I would say the the main thing is you have to have the show on. You know, every day we tape at like 6.30, you know, 5 o'clock, you know, 6, 6.30, so that the show can get, you know, uplink to the satellite, so it can get boomed down everybody globally. So the biggest thing that I've learned is to not overthink jokes all the way up to the last minute. Sometimes you can thought all you could possibly think about a joke. You know what I'm saying? And there really ain't nothing else you keep trying to make the joke better and tag it and tag it and tag it and tag it and And you just can't quite come up with anything else and if you can't, congratulations, you're done yeah you know, so like in that regard, I think that's that's probably the biggest difference you know, versus working alone and just kind of one man band in the show, but you know you also learn the importance of collaboration. You know, I would say to any creatives, get with other people that are doing what you're trying to do, and get their feedback, get their opinions on stuff, because you'd be surprised how much of that's going to help. That's going to help your own refinement process, and your own creativity process. Right. So yeah, I think I think that that part of the game, you know, is really important. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Before we get out of here, will you tell the people where they can find you, like, online, where they can find some of your stand-ups, all that good shit?
1: Hey, my name is Roy Wood Jr. Just Google that. If <laughs> you Google that? I'm serious. Put a dot com behind it. Put an app sign in front. Of it. That's me everywhere. Hell yeah. Everywhere. I think I'm one of the last people on Earth that's got the same social handle on everything in that fucking exists
0: right now. Yeah, hell yeah. And I'll make sure to put... Uh, your Instagram and all that shit in the description too.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Please do, man. Yeah, no problem. Please do, man. But yeah, respect to you on the grind because, you know, this podcast and stuff, it ain't easy to do it regularly. And more often than not, um, I really think a lot of the gaming, man, it's just about having emotional perseverance and consistency when it comes to
0: content. Yeah. Yeah, man. I've been doing it for about two and a half years, so it's it's good, man. I get streams in over two hundred countries, over five hundred U.S. cities. So over really? the la over the last six months, I've been on and off every other every other like week, every other month on the uh, iTunes and Spotify charts. So I'm just trying to you know build it up and and get mainstream.
1: That's it, man. Yeah, that's it.
0: But yeah, man. Well, I'm I,
1: here when you need me, man.
0: Yeah, man. I appreciate you. Whenever I'm, 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 man. I ain't never been to New York City, so I'm trying to get out there. I know it's crazy and shit right now, but when it's like summer, springtime, you know, I want to go out there or whatever. Yeah, but
1: wait till it open up, or at least when there's some outdoor shows in the spring happening Yeah, do more, do more, see more.
0: But yeah. But, yeah, man, I appreciate you so much for taking the time out for doing this and talking to me and, you know, and letting my listeners know more about you and all that shit, man. I really appreciate this.
1: Hey, it's all love, man.
0: Yeah, man, we'll be in touch, man. Have a good rest of the weekend.
1: Okay. Talk to you
0: Later.